Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Floyd Marinescu is the founder of IB, uh, UBI Works. UBI Works. Uh, Floyd, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for doing this. Uh, what do we need to know about? Are you hearing the same thing? Some people having a hard time um, signing up for this, or, or what are you hearing? Well, there's a lot of confusion about who qualifies and who doesn't. Uh, but the website I heard is also a bit slow, which is why the government has asked us to only log in on certain days that match to our, our birthdays. So, for example, if you're born January through March, uh, you should be logging in today. And if, uh, if you're born April through June, you should be logging in tomorrow. And there's a schedule like that on our guide. Our guide we put together for Canadians is at ubiworks.ca slash CERB. That's ubiworks.ca slash CERB. We have a lot of information there, including a video walkthrough with a tax expert. All right, excellent. We're going to make good use of the few minutes that we have here with you. I just got this from Terry, a text message at 204-780-6868, and there are so many questions, right? And individuals have circumstances that are unique to them, and, and it's difficult to deal with everything, but Terry is a listener who is about to lose his job, and he asked this question, how good afternoon, uh, great show as usual. Please ask your upcoming guest... Uh, a question for me. I drive for a living. Can I apply for this benefit when I find, because he just found out that he's going to be losing his job next week, laid off next week. Can I apply for the benefit now or do I have to wait for my last day, which is next Thursday or so he's been told? Uh, can I apply today or do I have to wait until next week? My birth month is May. That's why I'm, I'm asking. That's uh, Terry. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, you can apply now. It, it says on the Canada government website that uh, you can apply if you will not receive for at least 14 days in the month that's coming, in the next four weeks. If you apply today for the next four-week period and you will not be working for at least 14 days in that period, you can apply right now. All right. There you go, Terry. Uh, Floyd, what else do we need to know? Obviously, we, we go to the website when it's our turn, and that's really important, right? We don't want to tie this up for other people. We have to, you know, there are rules around this pandemic, and there are rules applying for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Help us out with some other advice here. What else can you tell us? Your website has all kinds of, of help and great information and the video walkthrough. What else do we need to know here on the radio? Uh, yeah, so you have to apply every four weeks for the future four-week period in which you expect to be unemployed or not receiving any self-employment income or any other benefits. So it, literally, you're allowed to apply up to four times for the f a future four-week period. Um, the government, the, the MyCRA website, once, you, once you're logged in, uh, it's literally just two screens. The first screen has you certify uh, that you match this criteria, that you will not, be, will not have income for at least two weeks in the next four weeks, um, and, and a few details like that, that you have earned at least $5,000 in income in the last 12 months uh, from any source. So you have to have worked in the last 12 months as well. Um, and if you certify for all these things, the next screen, you literally connect it to your bank if it's not already done so, and you get the money within three days down, coming right to your bank. And if you prefer to, to dial in, there is a government phone number. Again, the numbers that, that's actually on, on our guide of, at ubiworks.ca slash CERB. You just need to have your social insurance number and your postal code ready for it. Um, so they tried to make it as easy as possible. I'm actually not, I'm not, I'm pretty impressed considering that this is a government program. Um, you know, unfortunately, though, 800,000 people are projected 
to not qualify. These are people who maybe did not work in, in 2019 or were looking for work, so they weren't technically fired. And um, I don't know what those people are going to do. Well, and let's talk about that because as that uh, the clip I played, uh, the Prime Minister hinted at, you know, we're listening, more help uh, very likely on the way. Um, there are a lot of people that fall through the cracks here, right? There are, and that's why my organization, UBI Works, we actually promote universal basic income. If we already had a basic income in this country, everybody would already have the money now, and it would take an instant to increase the amount of payments going to Canadians during a time like this. You know, I had that thought um, even before we booked you in uh, during the U.S. Uh, Democratic primaries, uh, Andrew, um, Andrew uh, Yang. Yang, sorry, thank you. I just skipped my mind there for a moment. Andrew Yang proposed uh, something like this. And if nothing else, this might be an interesting test of this because I think a lot of people, you know, there are people that have concerns about the idea of somebody just getting a check every month, but this might be a test of, of how well this might work. Uh, let me hear your best pitch, Floyd, on, on why it does make sense. <laughs> well, it made a lot of sense in 1968 when a 1,000 economists said it's a good idea and it almost passed in the U.S. House and Congress. It only failed by a couple of votes because they said it wasn't generous enough. So it doesn't make sense right now because it would replace all the equivalent uh, social services at the federal and provincial level. Uh, it, it would actually make things a lot more efficient. People would get the money now. It would take away the stigma. You don't have to apply for assistance. You just have it. If, you're, if, you're, if, if your income goes down a certain amount, it's just done through the tax system. It's very simple. And uh, there have already been uh, many trials over the last 50 years. Over 105,000 people have already been in experiments with UBI, and they found no disincentive to work, no reduction in work. In fact, they saw an increase in work, often in part-time work. A lot of people could afford to start working, because in combination with their basic income, they can make a living. And that's actually pretty pretty amazing. This would be an incentive to work that would replace our current social assistance system and would only cost um, as little as a 3% increase in GST. There have been projections showing that it would just cost $24 billion after replacing other similar programs in the government. Uh, so I think we should have had it in 68. We should have had it yesterday. If we had it now, uh, there'd be a lot less anxiety in this country and people would, would have the support they need. Well, and I, you talked about it being, you know, tested or, or experimented with. I believe there was a major test right in the province of Manitoba that, again, showed it to be, uh, you know, something that could be very viable. Uh, getting some more questions uh, from listeners, and, and let's try and deal with a few here at 204-780-6868. Is applying for EI due to job loss, uh, is it the same as applying for the CERB? Do I get the same amount of money, or is there a difference between EI and this CERB? I believe at this point the government is, is transferring over all EI applicants to the CERB anyway. They projected that 4 million Canadians will apply to the CERB, and, and why are they doing that? It's because it's just a lot quicker to get the money. You just self-certify that you meet this criteria and you get it. So actually, four to five Canadians that would have applied to EI will get more money on the CERB. They'll get $2,000 as a flat amount. Um, and those one-fifth of Canadians who would get a bit less, it's only about 50 bucks a month less versus what they would have gotten with EI. And I think you might have just answered this. I was reading as you were explaining that to people, but um, somebody here is asking, um, if I'm laid off due to COVID-19 and getting CPP, uh, do I still qualify for the CERB? Um, from my read of what's out there, I, I believe you do, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, so here's the thing. If you do apply uh, and you actually didn't qualify and you get the money anyway, 
uh, you'll just have to owe it back next year. Right. So it'll be like owing the CRA money. So it's not you're not committing a crime. You're just going to have a, a, mm-hmm. a loan effectively to the government. Hey, Floyd, give me that website real slow. I want to jot it down here, and I know people are going to be asking for it. So say it nice and slow. There will be people writing it down. I'm going to write it down, and uh, people can find more information there. Yeah, our guide is at uh, ubiworks, letter U-B-I-Works, W-O-R-K-S, dot C-A, slash C-E-R-B. Ubiworks dot C-A slash c-e-r-b yeah got it hey floyd thanks a lot for this i really appreciate your help and uh it sounds uh, you know if we believe what the prime minister is saying and i i believe it or not right these days i'm believing the politicians i'm really giving them all the benefit of the doubt and i and i think our politicians compared to politicians in some other countries around the world I think ours are doing a, a pretty good job in, in trying to get money to people that need it as quickly as possible. And I really appreciate your, your help with this, Floyd. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Our usual Thursday guest joins us for a special Tuesday appearance, Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. Carolyn, good afternoon. Hey, how, how are you doing? Good. I warned you last week that uh, you may get a call from me early in the week because I don't think we can, you know, talk enough about uh, how to get through this pandemic and the physical distancing and, and everything else. And then you had a great post and, and Brett McGarry and the gang on the start here at CGOB shared it. And it's an interesting title, Skin Hunger. Explain this, but I think we all are very hungry for some skin right now. Well, I think um, it's funny how people often don't, haven't ever heard that term before, but as soon as they hear it, they go, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is, right? Um, that there is this need that we have to be touched. There's this deep longing and aching desire for physical contact with another person. It's demonstrated in the research um, in all sorts of ways. We know that tiny children, if you just look after them with sort of clinical care, they don't develop in the same way as when they're hugged and cared for and nurtured and provided with the soothing, caring, nurturing touch. And that does disappear when we become adults. We all need to be touched. Um, and this Sometimes people think, oh, this is about sexual intimacy. This, that's maybe a part of it, but just a part. There's so much more to being touched, to touching others, and just getting support. And there's, there's actually really good research that says touch is good for us. Well, and because uh, we're not touching as much right now because of this COVID-19 pandemic, I think we're missing it more right that that makes sense if you can't have something you want maybe you take it for granted under normal circumstances but when you can't for whatever reason hug that family member uh, you know easter one of those great family holidays for a lot of people is coming up and and we miss that opportunity we absolutely do and you know there's many people that's struggle with skin hunger all the time, People, elderly people that live alone, um, people that are isolated because of physical disability, can't get out of their house uh, much. Uh, but now we all understand what many people experience all the time. We are all, um, you know, I, I live with my husband, I have a child at home, so there's lots of touching and support um, in our house. Just We're just taking care of each other. And when we we, we, we give hugs, we receive hugs, 
there is a lowering of stress. And so in this time when people might be socially isolating, might be on their own or quarantined, and so people are living on different floors, there is no touch. And when there is no touch, there will be suffering. And I'm not sure that there's any easy fixes right now, but I put it out there on social media because I wanted us to name it, that there might be a reason when people are feeling stressed and irritable, that part of this is is because we're not meeting that basic human need to touch. We're specifically being told not to do something that is actually really good and really important for us all. And we're trying our best, right? We're making do. We're figuring out other ways to get that contact with people in our lives, family and friends, people that we care about. But that touch may not be possible right now. So how do we try and deal with this? Well, probably you and I have both seen different versions of this heartbreaking picture where there's somebody in a personal care home um, with their hand against the window and somebody on the outside of that window putting their hand sort of hand to hand, right? Like, that's such an inadequate version of touch, but there's this innate need we we have to get as close to each other as possible to lend support and comfort. Um, uh, my uh, office manager, Melanie, she has a 92-year-old mother and she drops things off on the counter and steps way back and they maintain social distance because her mother has underlying health conditions and is elderly. And she, everything in her says, I just want, I need to give her a hug and I think she needs me to hug her and there is nothing we can do. We know that if we hugged, we would be putting you know her at risk. And so there's this the struggle that we have, this tension where it just would feel so natural and normal to give each other a hug during this time of stress when we want to support each other and yet we're being held back. And there are no no easy answers to this, which is why I think we sort of need to name it. I wish I could give you a hug. I'm so sorry that I can't. Someday we're going to have the best hug ever when we're allowed to do that. Yeah. How are you managing? How how are things? And, and maybe share with us, uh, you know, what you're hearing from uh, some of your clients. Uh, any you've always you're always really in touch with what's going on out there with people. What are you hearing? Well, we're hearing that um, people are certainly um, stressed because of the risk of COVID. That people are working to. Um, understand what the regulations are to try to adhere to them, to try to do them well and diligently, um, and that creates a stress. And then we're also hearing that this isolation creates stress, that I'm hearing that people are finding ways of doing video conferencing and getting together, but then there's this, there's this sort of growing awareness of it's good, but it's just not the same as actually being together. And I think there's this gratitude for the life we used to have, um, where there's the sweetness of we used to take for granted being able to greet each other and being able to hang out. The fact that we can't do that anymore, we're really missing it and not aware of how good we had it when we can actually do it. So there's this appreciation for life, again, as we once... There will be a time when we can get together again, and and won't it be sweet, and aren't we going to be grateful for it in a way that we never have been before? Uh, And so I think there's this stress combined with this gratitude, um, and there's this desire of, can we support each other? If I can do something good for you, if you need help and I can help you, I'm going to feel a little less worse. And so I think there's a lot of checking in with each other and being grateful and lending support in a way that when we support each other, um, we are feeling, we feel united in this and we feel a little less helpless when we are able to help somebody. So I think I'm noticing that people are just being really helpful. 
Well, listen, Carolyn, I can't wait till we can do our regular Thursday session in studio together. But in the meantime, we'll do it this way. I'll be here at home in the home studio, and you'll be on the phone, and we'll talk on Thursday. This is really great, but I will look forward to the day when we can once again hang out in the same room to do it, for sure. Agreed. Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. Thanks a lot, Carolyn. Blessings to you and your listeners. Yeah, thank you. And uh, if you want to read about skin hunger, Carolyn has posted that on uh, Connexus Counseling social media platforms. I know it's on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Connexus Counseling. Connexus is spelled C-O-N-E-X-U-S. You can also go to ConnexusCounseling.ca. Joining us now, Dan Vandell. He, of course, is the MP for St. Bonavis. And St. Vitelli is also the Northern Affairs Minister. Dan, good afternoon. Hi, Al. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I guess let's start with something that we've been talking a lot about. Uh, it began yesterday. Canadians began applying for the CERB yesterday, the CERB, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Um, how are you hearing that's going uh, from your end? Well, I'm hearing there's a significant take-up. We know that there's a, there's a, a huge urgency of this situation in uh, in Canada and all over the world. Actually, uh, families are hurting, individuals are hurting, jobs are being lost, and our government's taking action to support workers and their families through the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. It's uh, it's a benefit that will give eligible uh, individuals up to. $2,000 a month uh, over uh, over eight over eight weeks, I believe. It's available to workers who are, of course, uh, Canadian, 15 years old, who stopped working because of COVID-19, uh, who've uh, made an income of at least $5,000 uh, this last year or the 12 months prior to the date of their application, and who uh, who are are expect to be without uh, work or employment income self employment income for at least fourteen consecutive days now uh, so that uh, that was uh, online yesterday uh, i I know there's been very very significant take up and we know that's going to occur uh, throughout the week. There are over six million individuals who are eligible who are hurting who need some uh, uh, some uh, some uh, uh, some support over over the short and medium term, and uh, this is just one of the programs that we're rolling out to help uh, Canadians. Doesn't cover everybody. The Prime Minister again today, when he talked to reporters, hinted that you know, stand by. There's more help, more announcements uh, to come. Um, and this is no fault of your government, or or because I think our Canadian politicians here in the province, I think Premier Pallister's been doing a great job. I think the politicians in Canada, I I, I think, have done a, a great job, including the Prime Minister. Yeah. But there are some people out there that aren't getting the help they need, and and we have to remember them through all this as well, right, Dan? Absolutely, and we also have to remember that we're living in extraordinary times, Hal. And uh, our government and uh, the province and the city government have been uh, coming to the forefront to help Canadians. And I think we've acknowledged from the start that these are programs that, you know, uh, are usually developed over the course of uh, close to a year. Uh, they've been rolled out in, uh, in weeks. And when I say weeks, I'm being very generous because we know this is an extraordinary situation. So 
I believe the Prime Minister has identified uh, uh, several times that there's, if there, we know that uh, there are people that are hurting that are not being uh, uh, helped by these programs, and we've we've uh, built in some flexibility that we're going to roll out other programs or we're going to amend existing ones to make sure that uh, that there is help provided to to everybody who needs it. And uh, this uh, this benefit, the the CERB program actually was one that was uh, brought together by by melding two other uh, programs, emergency care benefit and the emergency support benefit. They were brought together and simplified, and that's when uh, the uh, the Canada Employment Response Benefit was brought forward. We know there's no time for uh, for there's no time to lose by by designing the absolutely perfect program. We want to help Canadians, and we can't let perfection be the enemy of good. And we're going to keep uh, making changes uh, as uh, as the future unfolds to make sure we help those Canadians that aren't aren't being helped right now. Help that's needed, and you're right; it needs to get out there quickly. But do you ever think? Because I know I do. I think about how you know there are companies, businesses that are losing, they're shutting down, and they're losing their business or won't be able to reopen again. People are losing their jobs. I mean, you know, goes all this stuff goes without saying. But do you ever think about the cost? And now's not the right time maybe to think about it, but I, I do. I think about, man, how long will we be paying this off? Will our kids, our grandkids, and our great-great-grandkids uh, be paying off this pandemic? It, it really is so unprecedented. I, I, I think about that, uh, I'd say, every day, Al. Uh, I talk to constituents who, who own restaurants, who own uh, construction companies who own any kind of business that are being affected by this. This is something that our world, at least in my time, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in less than a month, has, has never experienced. And uh, the, uh, the devastation on, uh, on a global scale and uh, the herd of people that are sick and New York City's quarantined, I mean, who would have, you really, that's the sort of thing that you see in a, in a horror movie. And uh, we want to make sure, first of all, that uh, we're reducing the number of people who actually become sick, and uh, we're trying to uh, uh, to maintain some capacity within our healthcare system. I think we're better than most in Canada because we have a great healthcare system. But I think of countries where their healthcare system is spotty at best, where it, not everybody is protected. So that's our first priority: is, is to save lives. And our second priority is to help businesses and uh, make sure that uh, the economy is uh, is generating some 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 business and some income. And uh, and once we're out of this, and and uh, we are going to get out of it, but once we're out of it, uh, we can look at uh, rebuilding the economy and making sure there's meaningful work and and, uh, and 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 an economy to rebuild for for all Canadians. So. These really are unprecedented times, and it takes government uh, working together. And uh, I think the provinces and uh, the federal government and the municipal governments and indigenous governments are working well together. But I hate to say it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to protect Canadians and to help the economy. Dan, thanks a lot. Check in anytime. My pleasure. Thank you. Dan Vandell, he's the Northern Affairs Minister and the Member of Parliament for St. Bonavis and St. Vitell. 
Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.